Leo Tolstoy, the famous writer from Russia, before he came to Christ, wrote down a series of questions that he needed to have answered to make meaning out of life. One of his questions was, why do I exist? A second was, what purpose do I have in life? Another question was, who or what caused me to exist? Great life's questions, aren't they? I presume that over the course of our lives, in one fashion or another, we have all asked those questions, haven't we? What purpose do I have in life? Why do I even exist? And how could I exist? These questions come to virtually all of us throughout our lives. And God has provided for us answers. And we find it in his word. God moved upon Moses centuries ago to write and give explanation to these very questions. And we will examine them today and see how they fit into the pattern of God's word and his provision for us in Jesus Christ. You have the scriptures that I prepared for you. Follow along as I read the first set of verses from Genesis chapter 1. Familiar verses perhaps to you, but I will read them nonetheless to focus our attention upon them and they will serve as the start of our study today. We read from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We see described for us here the beginning of humanity, the beginning of all creation. This is the sixth day of God's creation. And on the sixth day he created Man, humanity, mankind. And it describes for us, for us here how he created. It says he created him in the image of himself. God said, let us make man in our image. He created man after himself. In his likeness. Unique above all of his other creation. Many of us today want us to believe that we have come into existence simply as the end product of centuries of process. 
from another creature evolving into our existence as human beings. But God wants us to know that he created us uniquely after his image. The only one of his creation that has an antecedent. We are a copy. We are an image. We are a likeness of God himself. He created us unique, individual human beings in the image of God. Now you'll notice very quickly that after he created him, he gave him an assignment. He didn't just put man on earth and and then kind of set him free to do whatever he pleased. He gave him responsibilities. He had created fish. He had created animals. He had created plant life. That occurred in the previous days of creation. And God placed Adam on the earth to take care of it. To tend it. He gave him responsibility. He said, let man be in charge and rule over all of my creation. There are many of us here who probably would really like to know how to have dominion over the fish of the sea. (laughs) I would surely like to know when I take my boat out into the water where those fish are so that I can have dominion over them and catch them and take them home for supper. Well, I'm not sure that's what is meant here. But God placed man in a responsible position, gave him a duty, and said, take care of my creation on my behalf. So he made man, created him in his image, and then assigned him the responsibility of what we would call in our day a vice-regent. Someone who represents an authority higher than he, fulfilling in obedience the duties assigned by God. We read here that God expected descendants of Adam and Eve. For he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. He expected that Adam and Eve would have descendants, would have children. And that in the having of of children, he expected Adam and Eve to teach them their responsibilities under God, just like he had. And he gave them a responsibility to go all through all of the earth and care for all of the earth, not just one little spot, but throughout all of the earth, so that the glory and image of God would go throughout all the earth. God had a purpose and a design in his creation. He made man in his image, gave him the responsibility to care and to tend and to rule over the earth, to take care of it, and to take his image throughout all the earth through his descendants. Well, we all know what happened, don't we? For we find recorded not long after this in the scriptures, when we come to chapter 3, we read about the temptation of Adam and Eve in the Garden in Eden. 
and how they yielded to that temptation in disobedience to God. For God had told Adam and Eve and all of their responsibilities, they had only one thing they could not do. They could not eat of the tree in the middle of the garden. For when they did, they would die. And the serpent came and tempted Adam and Eve, and you all know the story, how they gave in to that temptation. And they ate of the fruit of that tree in direct disobedience to God's command. They denied God's authority over them and yielded to the temptation of their own desires. We read that God came to Adam and Eve, gave them a promise, and told them that he would send the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. A champion, a savior, one like them, flesh and blood, seed of a woman who would come and care for them and provide victory over the evil one and temptation. This describes for us, very briefly, the first Adam, the first of humanity, the first created in God's image with a plan and a purpose to carry God's glory through their descendants throughout all of the earth and to take dominion and rule and govern over God's creation. When they sinned, they violated God's command and now made it necessary for the champion that God promised to them. Now we see that because of their sin, it now came upon all of their descendants as well. What God had planned initially for them to carry the image of God throughout all of the earth by the fruitfulness and the childbearing of Adam and Eve and their descendants, the image of God would go throughout all of the earth. Now that image is marred. Now that image is changed from its original holiness and righteousness into the sinfulness of Adam and Eve. And we read in the second passage that I have listed for you there, Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 14, how that sin of Adam and Eve came upon all people. And it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Now the descendants of Adam and Eve no longer carry the image of God in His holiness and in His righteousness throughout all the earth. Now they live with a sinful nature that dominates and controls them. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, and who was a type of the one who was to come. The first Adam created in righteousness and holiness, 
given the responsibility to carry the image of God in righteousness and holiness through their descendants throughout all the earth sinned and thus brought sin upon all their descendants making necessary the champion and we find in these last verses from Romans that Adam served as a picture a type an example of someone else who was to come we find as we read through scripture that this champion that God promised to Adam and Eve in the garden had a name his name was Jesus he shall call his name Emmanuel for he shall save his people from their sins and we all know what we celebrate on December 25th at least here in the United States we celebrate on that day the birth of Christ well who was Christ the one who was to come the second Adam the first Adam created in the image of God now we have the second Adam coming in the person of Jesus Christ far beyond the first Adam he came in the same flesh as the first Adam but oh far greater than Adam for he came as God in human flesh not just as an image of God as Adam but now the second Adam comes in human flesh with God's nature residing within him a second Adam with a nature far beyond our nature and the nature of the first Adam the scriptures describe for us this second Adam I'd like to read just a couple of descriptions that we read in God's word about this second Adam some of them are on your sheet that I gave you we'll look at those in a moment but there are a couple that I want to read from scripture one of them is in Colossians chapter 1 verse number 14 and I will read that one for you as soon as I find it he verse 15 I thought it was verse 14 it's verse 15 he Christ is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold together a description far beyond the first Adam that first Adam was just kind of a likeness oh but this image far exceeds that first Adam the second Adam was actually took part in the creation of the first Adam making him far superior to the first one I want to read you a second passage from the book of Philippians chapter 2 
further describing this second Adam, this one who was to come, the promised champion that God described very briefly to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. We read in Philippians chapter 2, the description of this one. i got to find my verse here now. I've got Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse number 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now let me explain that real briefly. God didn't have to try and claim that he was God. Some of us do that in bravado, don't we? I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. It's kind of like the little boy whistling in the dark as he walked through the cemetery. Not scared. When in reality we really are. And some of us like to claim we are far greater or different than we are. Oh, but God, Jesus didn't have to do that. He didn't have to try and grasp onto something. He was God. He was God. He didn't have to grasp after it. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was God. But he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This describes the Lord Jesus who shared the glories and the splendors of God in heaven with equality with him. Taking upon himself humanity, human flesh like the first Adam, like you and me. God in the flesh, the second Adam, with a nature far superior to that of the first Adam. And this second Adam had some responsibilities. He had some duties as well that God charged him to do as he came. We will now read the second two pas- the last two passages on the sheet that I handed out to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 to 22, we read this, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, that's the first Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead, the second Adam. Through the second Adam, we have and can experience Resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall we be made alive. So God the Father sent Christ, and Christ came with the responsibility to make us alive. We were dead in Adam. Christ, the second Adam, came that we might now be made alive. 
Now, the second passage, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 45 to 49, we read, Thus it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural. Adam was the first one, natural, human. Then came the spiritual, the second Adam, God in flesh. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. You remember that? He took of the dust to form Adam. The second man is from heaven. We read about that just a moment ago from Philippians chapter 2. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. That's us. That's you and me. We are of dust. We know that we face a day in the future when we will turn to dust. The life that we now experience in the flesh, we will have no longer. We have a spiritual side to us, however, that will live forever. So are those, as is the man of heaven, verse 48, as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Oh, but the second Adam is different in nature than the first Adam. Likewise, those who are of the second Adam have a different destiny than those of the first Adam. Do you see what the writer is trying to show us? That it is possible for us to experience new life in Christ? And this new life that we experience in Christ, He came as a life-giving Spirit. This new life that we can experience in Christ is far different from the life that we now live here on earth as children of dust. We will live as children of the second Adam. That life-giving Spirit will give us a life that describes here those who are of heaven. We will experience a life far different than what we have here on earth. Because we belong to Christ and He has given to us of Himself that life-giving Spirit. Verse number 49. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. We saw how Adam, the first one, bore the image, the likeness of God, and God gave him the responsibility to carry that image throughout all the earth, through his descendants. Now the second Adam has come to reconcile the children of the first Adam back to God. There was the break between because of Adam and Eve. We are not reconciled to God because we have inherited that sinful nature from Adam by human birth. The second Adam came that he might give us new life that would reconcile us back to God. We can become descendants of the second Adam. We can become children of God. And thus fulfill the responsibility 
that God gave to his creation to carry his image throughout all the earth. So that as we become children of God, we have a new image. The very image of God himself now residing within us. Not just made in a likeness as Adam and Eve. But oh, now having that very new nature within us that enables us in truthfulness and in reality to now reveal and display the true image of God because we now have that new life-giving spirit within us. When Christ came, he came with a purpose that he might be that second Adam who would make it possible for others to become children of God. In order for him to fulfill that, we read, he had to die. He came, he lived, and during his life he performed all kinds of miraculous deeds. And he met many people and he preached the truth of God's word to them. And he told them that God his Father had sent him into the world. That through faith in him, whoever would believe upon him would have everlasting life. And it became necessary for him to die on the cross in order that he might pay the penalty of sin on behalf of people like you and like me. And by paying that penalty, he reconciled them back to God. He redeemed them. So that all who come to Christ, all who trust him, become descendants of God. We read in John chapter 1, verse number 12, it says, Jesus came unto his own, but his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God, even to those who believe on his name. What does it mean to receive Christ? What does it mean to come to Christ? It means trusting Him for who He is. The Savior of sinners. And trust Him as your own personal, individual Savior. That He might then impart to you that life-giving Spirit that He came to give. That you then might become not only a child of God, but then one who bears the image of the man in heaven. Because of what Adam did in his sin, and its consequences upon all of his descendants, including you and me, And because of what Christ has done on behalf of sinners like you and like me, to redeem people and reconcile people like you and like me back to God, 
Therefore, we as children of the first Adam must trust in Christ, the second Adam, that we might be reconciled back to God and experience the life-giving Spirit that will make us children of God, that we might then bear His image throughout all the earth. How can the Spirit of God take these truths and apply them in your life today? Well, some of you, like me, may have already called upon Christ at some time in your life. And you recall when you did that. And you know the presence of God living and dwelling within you. And you know the reality of the verses that we've just read. Of that life-giving spirit that has made you a child of God. And you know that relationship with the Heavenly Father. And so as we have gone over these verses, it has served as a great encouragement and reminder to you, yes, that's true. I know it's true. Because it happened to me. And I can say that because it has happened to me. And I know there are some of you who voice the same statement, yes, it has happened to me as well. But what if you can't say that? What if it has never happened to you? You know about Jesus You know about his death on the cross. You know about his birth in the manger. You know about his unusual, unique life that he lived, unlike any other. You know a lot of things about Jesus. But you've never trusted him. You've never come to him in faith and called out to him to save you. To reconcile you back to God. To give to you that life-giving spirit that he came to give to the children of Adam, the first Adam. Today, I would urge you and call upon you and ask you to call upon Jesus. Receive him. Trust him. Believe him for who he says he is. The Savior of sinners like you and like me. I pray that the Spirit of God will open your eyes to see these wonderful truths as He has revealed them in His Word and as we've examined them so briefly this morning. And that if you have called upon Christ, that they would serve as an encouragement to you and a reminder of what He has done on your behalf. And if today you have yet to call upon Christ and trust Him, oh, I would plead with you, don't let another day pass. Because in all truthfulness and honesty, we really don't know what a day will bring forth, do we? We think we are in good health. We think we have many days yet ahead of us. But we really don't know, do we? So don't let another day pass. 
call upon him today. Let's close with prayer.